The sermon from St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, a member of the Wells, preached on October 23, 2011, based on Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 1 through 4 and 25 through 32. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit calls out to our hearts and points us to Christ, is the first lesson today from Ezekiel chapter 18. Please listen to the last verse once again. For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and live. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. In October 1517, Martin Luther wrote, When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, Repent, he wanted the entire life of believers to be repentance. That was the first of his 95 theses, but Luther was not the first to preach repentance. John the Baptist And Jesus Christ preached, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Those are words from Matthew chapter 3 and 4. But they were not the first to preach repentance either. About 600 years before Christ, the Lord used the prophet Ezekiel to call his people to repentance. You heard that in the text here today. And Ezekiel was only one in a long line of prophets going all the way back to the Lord God himself when he called out to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to turn away from their hiding in sin and to turn back to him who promised that the offspring of the woman would crush the serpent's head. Yes, dear friends, we too do well to listen to this call to repentance sounded throughout the ages through the prophets and through the scriptures, sounding, calling out to you and to me today, for this indeed is a matter of life and death. In the day you eat of it, you will surely die, the Lord had said to Adam. And so sin and death pass down to us all. Only the way of repentance is the way of life. Repent and live. That's our theme here today. Repent and live. Part one. It's just not fair. It wasn't us, it was our fathers and their fathers who who messed up. It's not fair. Just look back 60 years to King Manasseh when he was on that throne in Jerusalem. Look at what he did. He built altars to idols. Even in the courtyard of the Lord's temple, he practiced witchcraft and sorcery. And now we, we are the ones carried off into exile. We were taken from our homes in Jerusalem to this foreign land. It's not fair. God's way is unjust. That's what many in Ezekiel's day were feeling and thinking and even saying. Ezekiel himself was one of those early exiles around the year 600 B.C. that was carried away or brought away from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of the Babylonians. And the Lord called Ezekiel 
to proclaim his word to the other exiles, calling them to repentance, as you heard in the text here today. But that attitude, that attitude that was portrayed, that's what the people were meaning when they repeated that proverb, you heard, that proverb about how the fathers eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are turned on edge. That was their way of saying, our fathers messed up and now we, the children, have to suffer for it. And if you think about it, isn't that still part of our psychology? To blame others for the problems we're going through? Life's unfair to me. It just doesn't work out the way it should. I've, I've tried hard. And if you knew the background I had and what I've had to overcome, you'd see I've come a long ways. But, but some things I just can't help. That's the way I am. That was my upbringing. It's, it's my parents' fault. You can't hold that against me, can you? Look at how far I've come. Shouldn't I get some credit? Or, or at least, at least, shouldn't my life be not quite so difficult as some of those other people out there? Shouldn't my life be better than those who don't try as hard to be Christian like I do? Yes, that kind of thinking still infects us today. And the tragedy of it is that that thinking is the opposite of repentance. That thinking leads away from God, follows the path of death and hell. For you see, even if we tell ourselves that we're only blaming other people, deep down inside you know who you are really blaming for the unfairness of life. Who is it that is ultimately in control of how our life goes? Yes. If our life is unfair, deep down inside, we want to blame God. He's dealt me an unfair hand. He's, he's playing favorites. My life should be better. And God could make it that way, but doesn't. How easily that thinking infects us still today. And so, as the Lord calls to account the people in Ezekiel's day, for those same attitudes, we do well to listen to his call here as well. As he calls us to account saying, Every living soul belongs to me. The Father as well as the Son both alike belong to me. The soul who sins is the one who will die. The Lord has made us. We belong to him. He is the creator, we are the creatures. Who are we to measure him by our standards of fairness? Who are we to judge him who is the judge of all? He's not accountable to us. We're accountable to him. For you see, rather than comparing ourselves to others to see whether life is fair or not, each one of us needs to examine our own heart against the standard of God's holy law. And isn't the very fact that we're having this discussion here means that there's a part of our heart that wants to blame God? 
that doesn't fear, love, and trust God above all things, that's the very first and greatest of the commandments, and need we go any farther? We, each of us, individually, have more than enough sins to earn us death and hell many times over. The wages of sin is death, the scriptures declare. The soul who sins is the one who will die, the Lord echoes here. The soul who sins. He doesn't have to blame us for the sins of those who have gone before us. We have enough of our own. The soul who sins is the one who will die. Is my ways are, are, are my, is my way unjust? Is it not your ways that are unjust? The Lord calls us to account. So rather than asking why my life isn't better, I think each one of us, each one of us needs to ask why our life isn't far, far worse. But that's what we deserve. Repentance recognizes the greatness and enormity of our sin. Repentance abandons all hope in myself, all hope built on my own efforts. Repentance confesses that God's justice ought to condemn me because of my own sins. How could there be any hope, any life, for sinners like you, and like me. And if God's justice did indeed judge us based on our efforts, our heart, our will, our actions, then even the repentant heart would have no hope, no peace, no life. But rather than looking at us, the Lord's justice looks at the cross of Christ. For you see, only in the cross of Christ Is there life for sinners like you and me? Let's think about that justice of the cross, so to speak. Think about how in the New Testament that justice of the cross was proclaimed so clearly. Yes, it's it's there in the Old Testament going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. But how clear it becomes in the New through the preaching and teaching of the Lord's apostles. The justice of the cross. The Apostle Paul describes that justice in Romans chapter 3 when he writes, God presented Jesus Christ as the sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice so as to be just and also the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Think about that. How can God be just and yet also justify sinners? How how does the sacrifice of Christ make any difference? The Apostle Peter explains, or puts it this way. Jesus died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. See what God's justice did. He punished sin, but not by punishing the unrighteous sinners, you and me, but because the righteous one, Jesus Christ, took our place. And the Apostle John sums it up like this. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for all the sins of the world. And so you can know that your sins 
certainly are included in what Jesus did there in his sacrifice on the cross. Yes, this is the justice of the cross and what good news it is for you and me sinners that we are. Do you see how astounding, amazing, and life-giving this justice is? It brings life to us. It brings us life for this is the good news that repentant hearts cling to. Even as the repentant heart despairs and abandons that hope that's built on myself, it clings to the hope that is in Christ and his cross. The repentant heart confesses, O Lord, how wonderful are your ways! How marvelous is your justice beyond all of our ways! For you do not judge us as our sins deserve. Rather, you have judged Jesus in our place. For you counted all the sins of the world against him and punished him instead of us. For he is the sacrifice of atonement. He and he alone has truly fulfilled and satisfied all justice. So you, Lord, are indeed just, even though you declare sinners like me acquitted, justified, not guilty, forgiven. For you freely credit me with the righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ. His righteousness is the only righteousness that brings me life. Those, dear friends, are the words of faith. Those are the words that the repentant heart confesses as it confesses how marvelous the Lord's justice is. His justice that judges us according to the cross of Christ. A justice that goes far beyond anything we could ever imagine. A justice that gives us far better than we deserve, all because of Jesus. The repentant heart confesses how wonderful the Lord's justice is, the justice of the cross, the only justice that brings life. Yes, repent and live. And now, dear friends, this repentance that confesses the justice that we find in the cross of Jesus Christ, this repentance flourishes in a brand new heart. And that brings us to the second part that we want to consider here this morning. The Lord changes our hearts. He gives you and me a brand new heart, a new spirit, even as he says through Ezekiel here, Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. You see, our old heart thinks along these lines. Our old heart says to itself, Yes, yes, Jesus has paid for my sins, so they must no longer be that big of a deal. As long as I say I'm sorry and ask for forgiveness, that's what repentance is, right? Oh, Oh yeah, I, I probably should also try to do better, but God's not asking for much more than that now, is he? That's the thinking of the old heart. 
but the Holy Spirit has created a new heart in you, dear Christian, a brand new heart. The old, with its inclination, still tempts us, but the new, the new fights against the old. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. How often haven't we prayed those words from Psalm 51? For you see, dear friends, the Lord does not want only words of sorrow or outward actions that look good. He wants your heart, your entire heart, along with your body, soul, and mind, a new heart, a new spirit, devoted, devoted to him. Notice how Ezekiel, or the Lord through Ezekiel, contrasts the old with the new. When someone who has known the righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ and has followed the Lord turns away from the Lord, turns back to his old heart, he dies. His faith dies. He is cut off from life with the Lord. He is headed on the path to death and hell and damnation. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. You cannot follow your old heart and still live a life of repentance. Others might call you a Christian, but the Lord does not. Now contrast that with the way that the new heart lives, with that life of repentance described here But if a wicked man turns away from the wickedness he has committed and does what is just and right, he will save his life because he considers all the offenses he has committed and turns away from them. He will surely live. He will not die. The new heart. The new heart given to us by the Holy Spirit through baptism and his word. That new heart does what is just and right. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Or as the Lord himself puts it here, I take no pleasure in the death of anyone. Because he is gracious and merciful. He in fact gave his only son for you and for me. And that's the new heart, isn't it? The new heart sees and believes what Jesus has done for us and no longer wants to walk the old ways but wants to follow Christ. The new heart lives for him who died for us and rose again. That, dear friends, is repentance. The Lord our God takes no pleasure in the death of anyone. That's why he calls out to you and to me through his word to turn away from our sinfulness and to keep on turning to Jesus, and to keep on following Him. Repent and live. He he takes no pleasure in the death of anyone. That's why He gives us a new heart to follow Him. Don't turn away from where your new heart leads, no matter what crosses that way brings. Don't turn back to the old. Follow the Lord. Repent and live. He does not take pleasure in the death 
of anyone. And that's why repentance flourishes in a new heart. Repentance that is horrified at the greatness of our sinfulness, but yet at the same time rejoices in the forgiveness that we find in the cross of Christ, the forgiveness that comes by faith alone. The Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance, the Apostle Peter wrote. Repent and live, dear friends. Yes, as Martin Luther wrote nearly 500 years ago, the entire life of a Christian is a life of repentance. A life that is blessed indeed. What a blessed life that life of repentance is. What a blessed life no matter what the adversity, trials, or hardships. For a life of repentance is that life lived with God. It is the way of life. Eternal life. Repentance confesses the justice of our God and His ways. Confesses the justice of the cross of Christ and what a surprising justice that is. And repentance flourishes in a new heart. A heart that serves our Lord eager to do what is just and right. Repent and live. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.